Merriam-Webster defines a meme as, one, an amusing or interesting item, such as a captioned picture or video or genre of items that is spread widely online, especially through social media. There is a meme of Gritty. If you don't know who Gritty is, you're probably not from the Philadelphia area. But Gritty is a mascot for the Philadelphia Flyers. In the meme, Gritty is posing with his thumbs up next to a leg tattoo of his face. Over Gritty are the words, type three having the lovely ability to make people feel seen and connected within every interaction. And over the leg tattoo of his face are the words, Type 3 being totally disoriented internally as a result of their pattern of shuffling through the various versions of themselves until the person in front of them is charmed and they get a hit of the delicious external validation. And well, to put it in the internet's way of saying something that resonates with them, it me. Welcome to the Behaviors with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Janine James. Our intention for the Behaviors podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're turning our focus on the Enneagram. We're grateful to have Liz Orr with me, the creative talent behind the Instagram account, Rude Ass Enneagram. Liz Orr calls herself the Gordon Ramsay of the Enneagram world and the meanie behind at Rude Ass Enneagram. Today on the show, we want to explore the individual centers and stances of each number, the memeable quality of each number's pitfalls, and how humor and self-knowledge can make us achieve better in the workplace. Liz, thank you for talking with me today. Janine, it's so great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. I'm so excited because, one, I love social media. And (laughs) (laughs) I am, you know, we have a, um, our art director here is younger than me. And so we kind of vacillate between me talking about things from the 90s that she has to snow concerts <laughs> and then sure. on the other hand she's like this old soul who like was very cool and listens to 80s you know music and things like that and sometimes she'll have to translate to the rest of the crew what I'm saying because I'm like there's this thing on TikTok and you know and I'll get very enthusiastic so <laughs> she's at once you know straddling the generations here but I, I love social media, so I really love the quality of memes. And um, your memes are hilarious. When I saw Gritty, I said, this is perfect. And as a type three, this resonates with me. <laughs> it me. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself and how you discovered the Enneagram and how you came up with the idea for rude ass Enneagram. Yeah. Well, it's all a convergence of everything, right? Um, <clears throat> so I, I kind of like to joke that my Bruce Wayne identity, uh, <laughs> what I do during the day, although I am not a billionaire, it should be noted. <laughs> yes. Um, I, <laughs> the, you know, the I memes are not in... raking in the billions yet. 
<laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> um, but uh, I work in higher education as an associate university chaplain. So I work in religious and spiritual life at a college uh, down in North Carolina. And um, I was introduced to the Enneagram, uh, I think I can safely, yes, it's been 10 years. It's been wow. more than 10 years. Yeah, right out of college myself. Uh, I was living and working with the same people um, right out of uh, undergraduate. And like living with people is difficult. Working with people is difficult. <laughs> living yes. and working with the same people is, <laughs> is a recipe for homicide. So, yeah. so the uh, director of that nonprofit kind of, she had that wisdom. She knew that. And she arranged for someone to come in and teach all of the community members about the Enneagram. Hmm. Um, and it was, I remember the conversation. It was just like in our living room, I think there were six or seven of us. And um, I initially mistyped myself, which is totally okay. Me too. Um, yes. But I, I, it just still resonated so mm-hmm. hard. It really like hit me in the gut. And um so anyway, so that I learned about it when I was about 22, 23. And then when I was 25, 26, um, I got the, the job that I'm at now. And I remembered, oh, I remember when I was introduced to this, this tool, the Enneagram. And wouldn't that be cool to introduce that to my students and, and see where it lands with them? And so during one of our meetings, I just started like rattling off reading from uh, David Daniels' book. Uh, the essential Enneagram. And it was actually in that conversation that as I was reading the paragraph about my type, uh, all of my students kind of, as I was reading that paragraph, they were like, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> so <laughs> it was this invitation to re, re, uh, acquaint myself with this other type that I hadn't really considered. Um, and it was a, a much better fit. It had better language for, for and yeah. I had more self-awareness If you don't at that mind point, me you know? asking, because um, I do want to hear about the idea behind yeah. root-ass Enneagram, but I also mistyped. So I would love to know sure. what you mistyped as and what your Enneagram number is now. Yes. So as a young, uh, young white woman in an unhealthy relationship and who was all about, like, serving others and, and avoiding, you know, my feelings, I totally thought I was a two. Wow. Yeah. Um, yes. And then it was the, the, um, the game changer for me was really understanding the eights relationship to vulnerability, which can look like the two not wanting to acknowledge their needs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, but really the anger, I was like, oops, yep. (laughs) Um, and as an eight, I really do build intimacy through conflict. It's mm, like wow. getting in little scuff ups is kind of fun. Oh my! Um, yeah, that's, that's, eight, which, that's a very eight statement to make. Um, and and I think my reaction to your eight statement, you know, I mistyped as a nine, right? And because I mm-hmm. don't love conflict, you know, my reaction to you saying that, you know, <laughs> it's getting into little skips, mm-hmm. that's going to be fun. I thought that that first reaction <laughs> was a very nine, you know, reaction. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, you know, um, when I was thinking about the the nine, 
that I'm not afraid of bringing conflict if it's necessary. I would definitely want to avoid yeah. it, but I can become very unpeaceful <laughs> very quickly. Sure. And, and sure. that was like my revelation about like, okay, well, I'm not a nine. And I realized that as a three, that mm -hmm. it just so happens that that shuffling and shifting, which is what was so good about that gritty meme is yeah. really more indicative of my um, personality. And we're going to talk about the centers and stances in a bit, but yeah. I just wanted to kind of know. Um, and I think with people who like mistype and we're going to go into like how mm -hmm. you can find that answer, but I wanted to know what that <laughs> was for you. So how did it translate into your, you know, talking with your students and then you have this Instagram account? Yeah. So the Instagram account came several years later, but um, the more that I started talking about the Enneagram after that initial conversation, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the more I realized what a valuable framework it was. Mm. And really the point where it became this sort of um, <laughs> point of saturation, um, I had a intern. I had a graduate student intern mm -hmm. uh, one year, and she was a graduate student out of the Divinity School at the university that I work at, and there was a class there. There was a faculty member there, wonderful faculty member there, um, who taught a class on the Enneagram, and at the same time that she was an intern for me, she was in this class. So we'd meet weekly for one-on-one -on -one meetings, and we'd end up talking about the Enneagram. It just kept coming <laughs> back around. Um, and probably in the same year, my, the office that I work in, we had a, um, workshop on the Enneagrams, that same faculty member, mm. um, came in and, uh, and taught us about the Enneagram, gave us sort of a, a three hour, uh, introductory. And so got a little bit deeper with it. And then I started, I think that summer, maybe, uh, the book, the Road Back to You by Ian Cron and Susan Seville came out and I read that mm. and you know that's a great book it's very um anecdotal mm -hmm. and illustrative of of our type and so um I read that book and all these conversations have been floating and um I was also <laughs> subscribed to the Enneagram Institute's um Ennea Thought of the Day mm. which are um these daily emails you get and it's just a little teaching a little sort of snippet of hey why don't you try this based on your type um and i was having this conversation with a dear friend of mine adjua and she was like those emails are rude like it was her <laughs> her comment about that i was like they are <laughs> you know they're like you're an eight, why don't you try something different than your normal personality pattern? Like, why don't you try not steamrolling everyone into what your way? And it's okay. Like, fine. Um, so, so that kind of, again, that all, that's all cooking up in my brain. Yeah. Um, and at the time that I started Redact Enneagram, which was back in, in, back in 2018, not that long ago, but feels like a you world know, ago. Uh, um, almost five years. So <laughs> right, right. Um the only really the only like Instagram gig in town uh, on the Enneagram front was um was a very Christian account, which mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And that's really helpful for the people who um who respond to that kind of language yeah. and that kind of framing of the Enneagram. 
And there are people who are all kinds of different religions other than Christian Mm -hmm. and are no religion Mm -hmm. or have been harmed by religion. Um, And so I wanted to create another doorway in, another access point. Um, And I thought humor was a little more universal and Mm -hmm. a little more, um, it it could create somewhat of a wider uh, doorway for people to come in and then find the language that that suits them or works for them. That's really great. You know, as someone who is coming from a spiritual um, background, that is very sensitive of you to acknowledge that. I think that um, that, you know, experience and self-knowledge is beneficial for everyone, regardless of their, you know, political or religious leanings and um, making that accessible to people through humor. I I really do love that, um, that approach to it. So what I like about the Enneagram is that you feel understood and seen, mm-hmm. but something that mm-hmm. I found, you know, my experience with realizing I was a three was because there was a podcast. I don't know if you listen to, um, Glennon Doyle's podcast. Um, we can do sure. hard things. Yeah. I've, I've, I actually don't listen to it, but I've heard, I saw when she did do an episode. On the yes. And one of the things that was interesting is, you know, someone was listening, they were talking about a three and they were saying, you know, everything is a way to achieve something. Like I'm always rating my level of achievement. And I was like, mm-hmm. but everybody does that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? no. And you know, they were like, you know, I, I'm either winning or I'm failing. And I was like, well, Everyone right. does that though. Like that's a that's nope. what everybody does. <laughs> and when right, everybody reacted right. like no, they don't. Um that's what kind of brought me to understanding a little bit more about my n- number that this is like the internal mm-hmm. motivation. I do think what is sometimes difficult in the enneagram and this is where it would be helpful to go through the stances is that it kind of becomes like a face or a caricature that right. it's hard for people to attach to because I'll say this is my my redemption tour for the three. <laughs> the three, mm-hmm. especially in even um, the road back to you, I felt like when they were describing it, it was kind of like they're the snake oil salesman of the. You go yeah. see this is the you know build that way. this yeah. is gonna make your you know everything's gonna work out and, and they just kind of like selling something or you know they're totally yeah. there's no genuine you know feelings right. or thoughts right. for that person that they're the kind of fake hollywood uber successful one right. and right. as right. a you know poor you know working in retail for you know twelve dollars right. an hour person that didn't really resonate with me yeah. and so I was like well I'm definitely not a three because I you know I'm not sure. a snake oil salesman and so sure. and so you know it was or I'm not fake if you will right. now there's right. definitely levels that we can talk about where I have gotten there the reason I'm sharing this is because I do think it's diff. I think maybe one of the most common reasons why people might mistype is because what they're reading about in their mm-hmm. Enneagram type, that kind of caricature, always right. the same person representing the number right. doesn't right. kind of resonate with them. Do you find that to be the case with you as well? Yeah, I think, I think a couple of things happen that that can kind of cause us to go off track Mm -hmm. um number one i think we can focus on the behavior 
Yeah. Um, yeah. More so than the underlying motivation. And, you know, I'm guilty of it in my memes and that, like, sometimes I will mm-hmm. talk about the behavior, the common patterns of behavior rather than the motivation. But what it really does come down to is how are we trying to protect ourselves in the world that we are perceiving? Mm-hmm. And there are these nine different ways of seeing the world and they're all true. Yeah. They're all, you know, like, yes, they are not the full uh, representation of how good and bad the world can be, but they are this little snippet of what is true. Yeah. And that is what we are reacting out of. That is the thing that creates our patterns. That's what we're trying to protect ourselves against. Yes. Um, and so, so that's where I think people sometimes get off, off kilter in terms of finding their type. Um, I also think, and it's, it's, I, I struggle with this. So like, I'll be the first to admit it's one of the hardest things to resist doing, but a lot of people will type other people. They'll just oh, like yeah. when they're introducing their friend, they're like, Oh, you are such a four or you are such whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and we can't know someone else's inner landscape. We can't actually know their, their motivation. You know, maybe they share it with so us, but true. right. Which is why it's so important not to, not to type someone tell not to tell someone what you think their type is. Yes. It's, again, it's hard not to put them into that framework, sort of on an internal level. Yeah. But if you can allow them to have their own journey with figuring out their type, that is so much more helpful than telling them you are this. It's, and yeah. you know. It's really interesting because I I found, especially with myself and others, that, you know, people who are closest to you can definitely feel like they could tell you what your type was, right? You know, they could be like, oh, you know, you are just steamrolling through the entire thing, you know, and they can just kind of go through and tell you what you are. But what's really, really interesting is that 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 statement you just made that is just want to put some highlight on that for the listeners about you can't know someone else's inner landscape. Um, the yeah. reasons and the, the ways that people are behaving. You know, my mom read, you know, the road back to you and was like, you're such a sweetheart. So you're the sweetheart of the Enneagram. You're a nine. Right. But she didn't realize <laughs> that, like, I'm sweet at home, you know, with her, actually. Not even with my dad, right? Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> right, sweet to her. Right. She just, you know, that was right. just her engagement with me. And so that's what yep. she thought versus, like, um with the rest of the world in the working world or with my friends or with this person, I would, you know, have different ways of interacting and engaging with them and different hats as I would call them or different ways of interacting, which is very three to say that on. I wasn't going to say it, but but I was thinking it. (laughs) Short of being unhealthy. I definitely have completely different Janines that reside in different spaces and have an existential crisis when they all come together. So, you (laughs) know, but one person who's interacting with me every day at work or whatever might be like, Oh, I totally know what your type is, but because they don't know why my motivations for why I'm acting the way I am. And ultimately realizing that I don't avoid conflict because I am afraid of conflict. I avoid conflict because I see it as a failure in relationships. If you're Mm -hmm. always fighting Mm -hmm. and I like to win at relationships when it being a good daughter, (laughs) when it being a good, whatever, you know, That was my revelation. So could we talk a little bit about those centers and stances of the different numbers for those who haven't, you know, engaged with the Enneagram before? 
and this this can be a really helpful way also another sort of lens and layer of the Enneagram to look through in order to to land on your type if you're not quite sure mm. um, or certainly to narrow down some options so the centers um, are typically referred to as the centers of intelligence sometimes they're referred to as the triads um, but what they refer to is you know the Enneagram is a system of nine and you can break it down into threes in about a million ways um, and the center of, centers of intelligence were actually the starting point of what we today understand the Enneagram as. Uh, it was not presented as nine different types. That development and research kind of came later. But it was initially developed as these three centers. Um, and we have all three. We have a gut center of intelligence, a really like somatic knowing. Hmm. Um, and that is represented by types eight, nine, and one. We have a emotional center of intelligence, a really mm. affective way of attuning um, to others, and that is represented by types two, three, and four. And then we have a mental intelligence, a head-centered intelligence mm. um, that is, it provides clarity, it provides a precision in how we observe and, and take in the world and, and synthesize what we're observing in our brains. And so, the um, again, we have all three of these. We tend to lean on one of them, and mm-hmm. and um, your type is, you know, where you what your type is will determine where you fall in those centers and which of those centers you rely upon. Um, so, folks in the gut center, eight nines and ones, um, they have an incredible like body based strength and body based instinctive knowing um we just like right here right now we we kind of get these gut punches um i often refer to that and and we just excuse me we just know what we know and and maybe can't explain it quite as well as we'd like to can't put it quite to words um but we just have these very strong um senses of knowing in our bodies um we also have a very particular relationship with anger Mm. um all three types Mm -hmm. express it very differently um eights are very outward in their expression of anger nines uh are very numb and and they fall asleep to it and ones really wrestle with it and try to control the expression of their anger Mm. it's not that ones aren't angry um but it's it it can be a destructive force it can be out of control and, and ones really try to control their anger Mm -hmm. um and i think that the source of that anger for the eight nine and one is this pattern of self-forgetting that that happens in the body center this Mm. forgetting of boundaries and limitations forgetting of themselves and their importance and forgetting of their humanity and their their um their right and their entitlement to being messy and flawed and in, you know in progress mm. um so i think and and also like crossing of their boundaries right mm. that's that's a very body-based um experience anger is, is a the output of when their boundaries get crossed. yeah so that's your your gut center um and then you've got your heart center your um your two, threes, and fours, and these are folks who are uh, attuned to the outside world. 
Um, Mm -hmm. They're very attuned to the needs of others. They're very attuned to um, what brings value into the world. They're very attuned to beauty and depth and mystery and meaning. And um, they, they have a little bit of a nostalgic sometimes bordering on melancholic <laughs> longing for the past um and they all share a particular relationship with shame mm. um with like am i worthy of love am i worthy of receiving love of being loved of being seen and i think the source of that is in this shape-shifting that they feel they have to do in order to earn love <laughs> me, me journaling everything that you're saying right now <laughs> well it's funny the three get like saddled with the reputation for being the chame- chameleon the most mm-hmm. right they get sort of um they get stuck with this reputation of well you're the the insincere one but really all three types in the heart center perform they perform wow. for love you hear that and so, and force. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not alone out here in the three land. You I get to the point not. where I've only met one other person who just openly admits that there are three because it's so bad that we're like, yeah. you know, the door to door salesman telemarketer of the Enneagram. Well, so to hear that the other often, numbers perform as well is, is helpful. Yes. And people are often very jealous and intimidated by threes because. <laughs> Y'all are like gorgeous and not just sort of outwardly, but, but there's something very appealing and magnetic about the three. There just is. I, I, um, I now want to be your best friend, Liz. <laughs> I'm just going to call you up when I'm having a bad day. <laughs> and it's like, Janine, you're gorgeous. And, and the haters are jealous of you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, I'm sorry. And no, I'm have... sipping tea as we're talking because I'm also, no, like good. we said. So uh, we're both coughing. <laughs> we're both saddled with a cough. So, um, so the uh, the head center. We're in the head center now. Again, types five, six, and seven. Um, these are folks that again have that incredible mental clarity. Mm. Um, they just a lot of them will describe like knowledge just kind of dropping into their brain mm. like a puzzle piece just <laughs> um and and it's like just not knowing where it came from but it it came from somewhere and it's really precise and it's really um visionary and it's it's very future focused um they just have that mental clarity and that really like quiet precise mind uh as when they're you know when they're in a healthy space mm. um and the the suffering of the head center types um, is this fear, and it's it's fear of the future. It's fear mm-hmm. of am I gonna be okay? And it's really sourced in um, in their pattern of kind of outsourcing their own authority into something else. Wow. So the fives are gonna outsource their authority into knowledge and sixes are going to outsource it into the people that they've deemed as trustworthy, the institutions they've deemed as trustworthy, um, or their own preparations. Although they'll never quite trust all their preparations. And then the seven is going to outsource it into kind of like future plans and possibilities. I'll be, I'll be okay if I can 
bring this scheme into life but then they just keep thinking of schemes and um kind of get high on their own supply of fantasies so wow yeah so that's your centers um and again if you're if you're not sure where you land it's helpful to think am i am i often wrestling with anger am i often wrestling with um shame or am I often wrestling with fear wow um and you know and where's my attention is it right now am I do I am I prone to really quick flares you know flares of anger or whatever um is it sort of longing for something that feels like it's missing now uh or am I really worried about the future and am I going to be all right so that can help you zero in and Mm -hmm. at least knock out some some possibilities Mm mm-hmm and then when we when we look at the individual numbers, um, there's sometimes like a quick Ooh. online test that you can take. And it's like, I'm going to yeah. tell you your Enneagram number now. <laughs> right, and you just pay right. $100, you can find out your Enneagram number. Um, right. What is the danger of using some of those tests rather than doing sure. some reading and education? This is a shameless sure. plug. Work Wisdom also does Enneagram work as well. So um, <laughs> to help you walk through it, what would be some of the reasons why you wouldn't just want to take a quick test yeah i think so tests you know they they're fine for narrowing down options they're fine for the starting line but they're not going to take you over the finish line Mm -hmm. um again they are often they're kind of asking you questions that sometimes can be based in behavior Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and and it's very different to um to read a, a question off a computer screen versus sort of wrestle with a description of what, you know, a very core fear might be, wow, um, which is, yeah. you know, you'd find that in, in more traditional Enneagram literature, like the essential Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I think that tests are perfectly fine to narrow down some options for your further research, but I, you can't stop at the test um, mm-hmm. and you can't take it as, you know, clinically diagnostic. Yeah. I love that. I, my next question, and um, this is, you know, my last question, cause I could just talk to you for hours and hours <laughs> about this. That's a great conversation. I'm having fun. Thank you for such I, thoughtful questions. Yeah. I'm having a great time because I, I love talking about, you know, self-awareness and, um, how it can be translated in the different, you know, I'm always looking for a life hack, right? Typical three. Just sure. Like, I'm sure. looking yep. for a way efficiency, to kind of baby. efficiency, get it done. Yep. And, and what are some of the ways that, you know, the Enneagram has impacted your workplace and your work relationships? And, and why is it helpful for mm-hmm. us as we at Work Wisdom seek to revolutionize achievement and our listeners yeah. who are leaders in their organizations, or maybe they are, you know, not managers yet, but they, they're leaders in their behaviors. Why is Mm -hmm. it important to do this work of self-knowledge and, you know, using the Enneagram could be a helpful tool in that. How, how has that impacted your workplace and how can it impact other spaces? Yeah, well, it has been, it's been an incredible tool in my workplace um, in many ways, most pragmatically, I would say, it gives us a language for talking about the patterns that we fall into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I work one of my one of my best friends at work. She's my sister. Um, she's seven, mm-hmm. and much like me as an eight, she's super high energy. She's 
she um, holds herself to a really high standard, and she's incredibly creative. Mm. Is she going to follow through on all of the things <laughs> she dreams up? You'll be determined. She's actually she's incredibly high achieving, mm-hmm. and um, knowing that one of her great strengths as a seven is her ability to draw connections between things that I could never see. Um, being creative in, uh, you know, problem solving and um, really having like this sort of future focus, I can trust her on those things and and I can support her mm. in the execution of these amazing dreams that I she comes that. up with. I love yeah, that. And, and for me as an eight, she knows, you know, I've got a ton of stamina to get work done. I um, am good about boundaries and staying in my lane, but I can be really literal. (laughs) You you kind of, I'm not going to be imagining or dreaming or like reading the, the social political scene of work. So she has to like give me some guidance along that. So it gives you the opportunity. It's given us the opportunity to understand ourselves and one another a little bit better. Um, and even kind of get out in front of some of these patterns. And mm. it's been helpful when we've had moments of conflict too. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and pushing one another to engage in ways that are more constructive rather than just kind of like writing one another off. Oh, um, so, yeah. So again, it's, it's a wonderful language and framework. Um, and, None of that matters if it doesn't lead us back to compassion Mm. for ourselves Mm -hmm. first. Um, You know, the the Enneagram, um, it it exposes. Mm. Again, it exposes the shield that we have carried to protect ourselves. But in order to release that shield, we have to have compassion for it and understand why we felt like we had to pick it up in the first place. And so Mm. the Enneagram really speaks to the world that we perceive um, and what we're trying to protect ourselves from. And again, if you can meet yourself with compassion Mm. for the need to have protected yourself at points in your life, then you can, you're not going to have so many feelings about your patterns. You can approach it with a little more curiosity and a little less self-judgment. Um, and that's, I believe that's true of humor too. Like if we can laugh at ourselves, yeah. it's not so scary to look at the, the, the dumbass things we've done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's not so scary to look at our BS yeah. if we can laugh at it first. Yeah. So that's, that's what I believe is really the, the root of, and the, the, most valuable thing about the Enneagram is that it leads us to a place of self-compassion, which then expands outward to compassion for others. Liz, you are a gem. (laughs) (laughs) I could honestly talk to you all day. I so appreciate your perspective and I really enjoy the humor. I I think that it's a safe way for us to begin to look inward you know it's very scary to look down that vast corridor that is your inner workings (laughs) and it takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of courage and so I want to thank the listener for opening their hearts and minds to this concept and Liz thank you so much for joining me today I'm so grateful to you 
for being a part of this movement. Uh, where can the listeners find you? Rude Essay? You're at Rude Essay Instagram. And I am, I am, my term for a shameless plug, um, I'm actually in the process of writing a book. We're still a far way out from publishing, but um, look out for a, a snarky, smart ass take on the Enneagram in print, hopefully in 2024. I will see you on your book tour. I'll be the first in line with my book to get my, uh, get your uh, autograph. And my personal message and my book. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to you for being a part of this movement of helping others in the workplace to enhance their individual and collective team performance. Thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist. And we hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and Productions. Ask questions and suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we will leave you with a quote from Flannery O'Connor. To know oneself is, above all, to know what one lacks. It is to measure oneself against truth and not the other way around. The first product of self-knowledge is humility. Mm-hmm.